it was really kind of a, a small line work drawing that I projected. And there was not much detail at all in, in that. It was just a bunch of lines. I mean, not even that many lines, just kind of general shapes. But from there, I was like, okay, now I need to work on top of this painting to create something. I don't know. I started filling in spaces with patterns, with color, and even cut up some paintings to place them in there. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 209th episode, Gabriel Rojas joined me to talk a bit about his painting practice. Again, he makes a number of mixed media works that include a variety of different materials, collage elements, as well as sculptures. And we are also very excited to let you know that he was one of our 2018 BFA student competition winners. Again, Studio Break does an annual competition every spring for students and graduating students to kind of share their work and make sure that Studio Break stays fresh with new work. So again, thanks for applying, Gabriel, and thanks to our juror, Brian Frank, for selecting his work. Of course, just a quick reminder for any new listeners to let you know what you're in for. Studio Break is a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists. They come on and they talk about their work and we share these conversations right on studiobreak.com. Again, you'll see that each of our posts have images of the artwork as well as links to the artist's website so you can find more information about them. Again, we've got a big archive that you can check out. And, of course, you can listen right there in the default player on studiobreak.com or wherever you find your podcast. So, again, check it out and check out some of the others that you might have missed. Again, we recently had David Gracie on for 208, and our last podcast of last year was Erica Hess of I Like Your Work podcast for 207. So check some of those recent ones out if you haven't. If you dig this podcast, please help us spread the word. And, of course, you can easily do that through our social media features and websites. So, again, be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. So be sure and say hello in those places. Again, got a number of live videos that we're doing uh, the pre-pre-interview for the artists, so when those are available, check those out. And again, just uh, leave us some of your comments and feedback on Instagram. It's always great to hear from listeners and to hear what you like and, you know, what you respond to. Okay, okay, so I will cut this rambling mess short. Here is our interview with Gabriel Rojas. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Gabriel Rojas. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. And, you know, we've been chatting for a little bit. You're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I believe. Is that right? Yep, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again for applying to the uh, Studio Break student competition. Again, it's something that's kind of fun to make sure that I stay young and, you know, I'm seeing new art. Again, it's really interesting to see the, you know, 2D works and the 3D works. So I can't wait to break those down and to hear what's been going on you know, since you graduated. Uh, and again, remind us, was that was, uh, you said 2017? December 2017, I had my capstone show. And then in 2018, I graduated. Very cool. Very cool. So again, I always kind of like to go back in time and, you know, catch up on <laughs> what you're doing uh, very early on. Were you always uh, someone that was interested in, you know, being creative and drawing and, and that kind of thing growing up? Uh, yeah, growing up, I mean, as a kid, I, w I was kind of always just drawing. 
I guess I like to draw animals a lot when I was a little kid. So <laughs> any particular kind, spirit animals, power animals? <laughs> yeah, a, l- a lot of horses for some reason. Interesting. Not sure why horses? You know, horses and people. So. But I'm kind of curious then too. So like, you grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, then too. I was actually born in Argentina, and then my family moved over here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was a baby, and uh, so I grew up. I was raised here in Tulsa, and I live here now. Um, but I grew up kind of in the city area. So. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe there's like a farm, neighboring farms and all sorts of stuff like that with horses. Yeah, I was wondering why I like <laughs> to draw the horses. I'm not sure. I, I guess my friend had a kind of a farm, a couple mm-hmm. friends. And so I kind of used to go over there and play a lot, too. Well, were you kind of interested in maybe illustration and, you know, things that maybe typically people are looking to kind of explore? Um, you know, again, I know now, you know, animation and you know, all of the kind of tools that we have at our disposal computer wise seems to be like a, something that gravitates, you know, to young, young artists. Um, but was there anything that you were kind of particularly drawn to as you got maybe a little bit older, as you started kind of going through grade school and things like that? Well, no, I mean, a lot of people, you know, like the digital thing, but, um, I was always more of always hands-on drawing mm-hmm. really was my thing. Um, I guess when I was young, I used to set up my toys and like do little drawing sessions with them. I guess I was creating these scenes for the toys. Mm-hmm. And so even at a very young age, I was sort of developing those life drawing skills. I mean, I was just having fun, but sure, I always just kind of liked just drawing from life and doing that. You talked a little bit about not being drawn to those, you know, digital skills. So I'm curious then in high school, I mean, was that something that, you know, really like occupied your time in terms of, you know, taking all the art classes that you could? I had a teacher in high school who like really believed in my talent. And so she kind of encouraged me to take these AP art classes, you know, these advanced art classes. And what did they cover? I mean, it sounds like you had this instinct to kind of draw from observation and, you know, things that are in front of you, but I'm especially right. curious because those are typically the things that people hate in high school. You know, I can remember doing a still life with watercolor pencil. I'm just kind of like, why are we doing this? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, those were the things I really liked. So yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting. Yeah. And so I remember my teacher had me audition for a summer arts program and then I, I got accepted as one of 20 students in the state of Oklahoma for this summer arts institute. Very cool. Um, yeah. And so that was like landscape painting and things like that over in Quartz Mountain. And I loved that. And what was that experience like? I mean, again, cause I mean, I'll be honest at, you know, in high school, I mean, like I took all those art classes, but it was never something where I did something like that. You know, it seems like that would make quite the impression. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cause I never really took it very serious. I just like to draw, you know, my free time and things like that. But um, after that experience, I mean, I met a lot of people, met some really amazing artists and kind of got me into more of the painting. So when you think about like people, when they typically decide that they're going to choose to do something in the arts for like college, you know, there's a little bit of like worryment. So I'm oh, just curious yeah, yeah. if that experience, you know, having all these other you know, people studying the arts in this course or this summer program. I mean, was that something where you were all like, dude, we could totally, you know, be a painter, be a sculptor, things like that? I think I had a lot of friends and family who kind of believed in me and they figured I'd eventually do something with art, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was more like I had encouragement by them. But for me, I don't know. I think 
I kind of had to figure it out on my own. So mm-hmm. when I went to college, I actually studied pre-optometry and like other things before I actually went back to art. Was there a, like a particular class or anything that you took where you were like, oh man, like I forgot about this or like, man, this is, <laughs> these subjects aren't making me happy. I got to get back to my roots or. The whole time I was doing life drawing, I was doing portraits, landscapes and things like that. But then, you know, when I got older, I discovered abstract art and that kind of just clicked for me. And I was like, I have to switch back to art. No, I think it was um a book on Kandinsky. Okay. That really like made it big impression on me. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, considering um, the color relationships, I think in the work, you know, I think that totally makes sense. I think it was something about concerning the spirituality and art, but it was really his work that first got me into it. Yeah. All the crazy colors and yeah, that kind of got me into abstract expressionism and all that. But for me, that was the the thing that made me take art serious. Abstract expressionism specifically? Yeah, I would say so. You know, like those are my idols, kind of de Kooning and those painters, Frankenthaler, all those kind of painters. Yeah, like big gestures and right all that kind of like it's like again the process of painting as opposed to again we kind of talked a little bit about digital art or something you know something that's very step-based as opposed to kind of like working from your intuition or you know kind of improvisation right Mm -hmm. yeah the whole thing about improvisation that was like huge for me i mean i do remember when i was first taking my art classes we took a i had a class for studio methods Mm mm-hmm that was kind of one of the classes you take after taking those technique classes. You know, they had us bring in art that we liked. And I was probably the only student who had all my artists were non-representational artists. So they were abstract painters. So thinking about like some of those early classes, you know, you're talking about some abstraction and artists that you liked from, you know, abstract expressionism. I'm curious. And were you, were you taking life drawing as well? Because, you know, like you mentioned to Kooning, I mean, Talk about, a, you know, artists that kind of worked from the figure and then use that to kind of explore like painting methods. I'm, I'm curious if figure drawing was that was that something that you were also taking at the same time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think my life drawing classes were some of my favorite classes as well. I took quite a few because uh, we had the option to keep taking them if we wanted to. Figure drawing was always a big strength of mine anyways. And so it was really great just doing that. But um, once it got into the and the actual work, I'm, I'm not sure like how it, well it translated. But it was more kind of parts of the figure that translated into the actual paintings. We didn't have... Well, and take us through that process a little bit. You know, you're talking about like some of these kind of almost like fractured figures or portraits maybe. Is that something where you would be able to kind of, you know, take things that you'd kind of adapt from, you know, taking life drawing and then being able to kind of start a painting? I mean, was there any kind of process that was kind of evolved when you would then, you know, distill that into painting? I don't know. I think that like a lot of those classes that I took, even the ones I took earlier that were more science based and all that, those kind of like informed those capstone paintings that I made. So they were kind of really complex, layered, you know, sort of accumulations Mm-hmm. and um, the imagery was pretty much from microscopic to cosmic. So I was kind of putting everything I could think of in them. And uh, I was really kind of just trying to represent the interconnectedness of everything. Mm-hmm. It represented all that knowledge I kind of had acquired. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting about about that work in particular, too, because you can see there are certain aspects of the figure or shapes that might kind of relate to like a face or like, you know, like an eye. Yeah. You know, shoulder, you know, like, again, all the curves that you kind of associate, you know, with a with a figure. And at the same time, I mean, again, it seems like then there's a lot of improvisation in terms of how you're going to you know, take those forms and then respond to them. Is is that something that happens then as, as you're working through a, a piece where you're, you know, kind of starting with something and then responding to it? Kind of, it just comes from the drawing, you know, it's just a really improvisational line work is where it all starts from. Mm-hmm. And then the imagery just builds up. And so those were kind of smaller, probably 30 by 22 inches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, they were intimate, and for me, they they took a long time. They were kind of meditative, lots of time, enough time to develop those, to develop them really complex and everything like that. So, yeah, they almost kind of feel like they're woven in some ways, you know, like, again, they're kind of like tiled and layered, but then it almost seems like the way that some of the, you know, components kind of like wrap into each other. Again, it really kind of becomes interesting and in thinking about that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think at that time, too, I was looking at a lot of uh, M.C. Escher, those um, perspectives. They don't actually make sense. They kind of go into each other. And that was really interesting to me. Uh, Frank Stella was a huge influence, too. And one of the things that's interesting is that some of the areas around the edges of of these compositions, and again, these are all, you know, I believe a number of them entitled uh, Cycles. Yeah. But around the edges of the composition, it seems like they're almost like more spatial-like. And then you have this, you know, pile of shapes and, you know, more of the line work and more of the contrast that kind of stand out as almost like a figure towards the center of it. I, I think they kind of accumulate in the center to make these, like, structures. I think a big thing with it was, um, you know, I had that background in science and a little bit pre-med. So, you know, the complexity of the body and the wonders of the universe were always in the back of my mind there. And so you know how complex of a system the body is. And so that's kind of what I was trying to create, you know. Were there things that you kind of, you know, researched that people might not see necessarily in your work? Because, again, kind of considering that background, you know, some of the the shapes or even some of the kind of atmosphere that you kind of create make, makes it kind of almost look like stem cells or, gosh, I don't know why I'm saying stem cells, but, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> cellular or kind of like a network. Well, yeah, there's blood cells. There's like the meiosis process. There's like cells dividing. There's a lot of transformation in those paintings, too. There's an organ that has these veins that become branches, and the branches become like feathers. And so the whole process is pretty cyclical. Mm-hmm. If you look at it like that, it's kind of like a transformation. It has a transformative quality, I guess. Well, and something that's kind of interesting, too, is like because the, the, the curves kind of curves and shapes just kind of like keep leading your eye back around, you know? And so that's something that stuck out to me as well, because you're kind of talking about this universality, you know, in terms of your work or, yeah. you know, thinking about, I don't know how, how these things almost kind of form like a literal kind of network then to maybe kind of talk a little bit about that, that body network. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's why I'm not in science, right? <laughs> Some of those works I've compared to kind of like shifting on a scale between order and chaos. And so there's that interplay between organic and geometric, but it's kind of like blending those elements together to make a cohesive structure. How about we talk about one specifically so it's so we can, 
you know, really kind of think about it. So again, I'm looking at cycles too, yeah. which again is really kind of interesting because there's, again, a number of these kind of curve shapes like we've been alluding to, but then there's kind of some atmosphere that looks almost like network. Is is there any particular piece or like area that you'll start with this? I mean, again, you talked a little bit about maybe laying out the drawing components. Is that all like like what looks like ink work or? It's just a drawing and then I build up the line quality i honestly don't think of any of the subject matter it just kind of forms itself that's why i I liked how those turned out as a series and that one specifically the number two kind of dealt more with the nurture aspect of the life cycle you know because you have that like breast in the middle kind of providing the nutrients through the veins and all that and it's kind of talking about that transformative quality because those veins become branches to a tree and then those branches sort of you know, sprout these feathers, and that kind of leads your eye into a circle with the cell kind of sprouting some other branches of its own. So it's sort of that whole process of birth. Well, and I'm curious then too, like, are you work, did you work on all these, you know, maybe at the same time or were they kind of like individualized? I'm I'm curious what that editing process is like, because I can imagine like a group of these on the wall and then you, you know, kind of see an area that you want to kind of go back into or. Yeah, it was sort of like that. There were just a bunch of drawings and then basically for a full year, I was kind of going back and forth between the, all of those paintings. So these are, again, like works that are taking quite a bit of time then and, and quite a bit of time for reflection. Right. I had plenty of time to really delve into those. Well, and so you describe them as uh, mixed media. So, I mean, could you maybe break down some of the materials used? Again, it's it's super interesting to me, especially now, because like there are literally just so many different you know, that's one of the things I love about teaching is because somebody will bring in something that I've never even seen before sometimes, you know, pretty traditional like drawing materials or. It's watercolor paper. I think it's um, a hot press paper. Mm-hmm. Pretty much anything that that paper could handle. There's watercolor and there's charcoal, pen and ink, acrylic paint, airbrush. I use I use salt in some. I even collage some pieces on there. So there's just whatever was working for the painting. The other thing that I'm curious about, obviously you have the more sculptural, you know, pieces that are, you know, extending out from the wall a little bit. I'm curious with the 2D works, are they all just flat then or do they incorporate elements of, um, you know, physical layering of shapes and things like that? I was also taking um, sculpture classes during that time that I was making the paintings. So that kind of translated in a different way, kind of translated bringing that into 3D space, bringing those structures out. Yeah, I'm curious too. Like, how did that, you know, differ in terms of of the painting? Because again, they have a similarity in terms of, you know, some of their aesthetics. But then you're using a lot more of these kind of found materials. It looks like, or things that I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't necessarily use for a drawing. My process is so improvisational that it's kind of just reacting to the material. So for the for the two D paintings, those kind of like what the paper could handle. But once I started working with the wood and learning these techniques with metal. I was creating these structures, but also adding in shapes that are already objects, you know? So they became mixed media sculptures. And, you know, objects have memories and things like that. Took on whole different meanings, those sculptures. Maybe we could talk a little about that, Monolito. Because, again, it seems like that one kind of incorporates more found objects as opposed to maybe just more sculpt- traditional sculptural object type things. 
Right. That's a good example of what I was talking about. I think that might have been the last thing that I made in school. But yeah, also that was the same way, working through a drawing. I, I made some wood structures and then um, I started to incorporate those found objects, you know. But those objects have, of course, memory to my heritage and my family and like my vacations to Bolivia where I have a lot of my family. In that way, I was able to think more about my ancestry using these Incan symbols or like the monolito is kind of, uh, it was from a chess piece thing. Yeah, because in the painting, sometimes I use Incan symbols or Andean symbols really kind of to think about my ancestry. And so this was another way for me to explore that theme using physical objects because those carry those memories and they're more, a little bit more personal in a way, too. And I'm especially always just kind of curious, what, what are the things that kind of people don't necessarily think of? Because I could imagine, for example, you might be, you know, you're looking at an image that you've researched and make a sketch from it. Maybe there's just some other components that are kind of being brought to it that, that we didn't think about. I don't think I was looking at any images. I was kind of just making a structure drawing, you know, just a completely improvisational line drawing. But, but then I, was, I went back home and I was looking at a lot of things. You know, I was thinking of like, what can it, what represents my culture or like my heritage? And I think I used some of the weavings that my grandma had made. It was kind of like a sun piece in the back. Really, it was just collecting these objects. And then with those, I still kind of just put them together. And if they fit, I um, just glued it together and made it work, you know? So it was just me working with the material, reacting to what I have. Well, so, and to think about like some of the work that's kind of come after that, it looks like there's again, like a lot of exploration of just, just painting then in terms of like the works on canvas where it's just oil on canvas. Yeah. That was one of the major shifts in my studio practice after school because, you know, the studio's actual physical space was different. I mean, I started to work in a garage for a little bit. And so I had a lot of space. I could work as messy as I wanted to kind of getting back to these abstract expressionist roots a little bit. Mm-hmm. The main thing that it affected was scale. So that was the first thing. Everything got bigger. But then from there, I was, the materials, the processes, it was more just kind of working with painting. Well, I'm curious, too, has the, has the, has the amount of time that you spent changed at all in terms, again, because it sounds like you would spend quite a while working on these. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, as, as you're working through, you know, as a painting, is it even more time or more laborsome? Or? I'm working a lot faster because... Really, I'm, I'm trying to get more gestural, more action marks. So they, they kind of have to look like they're done fast in a way, or the actual process is done fast, but there's also a lot of time looking and making decisions. Well, I was going to say, you think about it too, relative to some of the, the people that we've you know talked about. I mean, you know, they kind of slowly transition from people that can, you know, work exclusively from the figure and, you know, just slowly start to kind of move farther and farther away from that. But I think having that time you know, kind of spent examining, you know, something like that kind of gives you that, I don't know, like almost that vocabulary then to just kind of do a whole bunch of these paintings, which is, it sounds like what you're, you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, it's been about experience really just in the studio, really. I'm not researching too many things, just kind of, you know, having fun with the materials. Just You're able to kind of work these a little bit larger. Are the scales significantly different? Yeah. The one I've just finished um, up for the McKeon Center. That one's actually eight feet wide by five and a half. 
Yeah, so much bigger than 30 inches. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, some 30 inches painting to eight feet, yeah. And Yeah, well, I'm especially curious about what that process is like in terms of any differences, too. I'm imagining that you've got to use, you know, bigger brushes, you know, like the scale of that changes dramatically. Yeah, and I don't think I could have got to that painting without doing those other sort of abstract expressionist paintings in my garage. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of got me into the bigger brushes, the techniques and everything. And then for this painting that I made for this show, I sort of brought back some of those themes of the life cycle of the interconnectedness of everything, of like patterns in nature and all that. And so to translate that into such a massive scale for me, I mean, was pretty awesome. And it, yeah, and everything is kind of just progresses from what I did before, you know? Well, I would imagine too, just having like the work be a bit larger the way that you're using, you know, your arm to make a mark, you know, again, there's still a lot of these kind of like almost atmosphere type qualities to some of the, the works that you have, especially like in the areas that seem kind of peripheral, like around the edge. But I would imagine that would, again, just kind of allow that scale just to kind of have more fun in, team, in terms of being more loose, more gestural. Yeah. And um, you can really zoom into some areas and you can like really get detailed in there so you can create even more depth. Is there any kind of technique or anything that you'll kind of use in terms of painting? Because again, the craftsmanship side of it is really nice. I mean, again, there's a lot of smooth, clean edges. I'm curious if you're, you know, like taping things off or if you're all kind of like freehanding it and, you know, like layering it. Yeah, I think I've been starting to use more tape, taping off areas. I'm not too worried about making mistakes because I do layer a lot over things. Since it's improvisational, I change my mind and I just paint over something completely. So Mm -hmm. I can let it develop and just like become richer. So, and sometimes I even collage other things in from old paintings. So they've been pretty fun to make. Are they kind of like a mix of acrylic and oil at this point or is it exclusively oil paint? Oh no. Yeah. It's a mix of acrylic and oil, but uh, yeah, I have to make sure that the oil kind of comes in when it's about to be finished because you don't want to be putting oil and then acrylic on top of there. No, absolutely. But again, it, it kind of allows that maybe that immediacy that you kind of like as you're maybe starting out to kind of, you know, figure out what it looks like. And then right. as you slowly kind of narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah. So that meditation part or that looking process, it's moving a lot quicker. And I like that that acrylic dries so quick that I can change it up, you know, pretty much immediately. Well, so again, to think about this painting, the life cycle, you know, to talk more specifically about that's kind of what I've been loosely talking about. You know, we're talking about some of these detail areas. Um, again, it looks like there's there's areas of like pattern and then, you know, like areas of texture where, you know, you have something that looks like water or like, I don't know, like a wheat field or, you know, some kind of like abstracted kind of design thing. Again, I'm just kind of interested in all of that kind of stuff. If there's things that you're kind of like trying to pull from your every day, or is it something where you're just kind of, you know, basing it all on specifically whatever that shape is, whatever that texture or pattern is that you're painting? Like the other one started with a lot of line work. It was really kind of a a small line work drawing that I projected. And there was not much detail at all in, in that. It was just a bunch of lines. I mean, not even that many lines, just kind of general shapes. But from there... I was like, okay, now I need to work on top of this painting to create something. I don't know. I started filling in spaces with patterns, with color, and even cut up some paintings to place them in there. It sounds like that's also another change then from the 
slightly older work that was all just work on paper was there, there was no like collaging of these different materials these different paintings even yeah that's sort of a, a newer development well and something to think about too are, are you working like directly on the wall or like on an easel as opposed to like you know working flat since i was so big i just bought a roll of canvas and i just taped it up on the wall well again it seems like that would allow you know lots of time to kind of look back and you know kind of see what you want to shift to it you know i i feel like sometimes you get so caught up if you're working like I do, like a, something that's flat and small, you know, that you kind of never get a chance to look back from it as you're, as you're working. Oh yeah. That's kind of like the thing I like about the bigger paintings. Kind of, you can just take a few steps back and really take it all in. Is it something where like, kind of like writing about your work or kind of reflecting on, you know, like an artist statement or like, you know, like what, what your goal is? I mean, is that something that kind of happens peripherally then in terms of like being able to evaluate it? Well, I guess like we were talking about that one for the McKeon Center, that large one. Really, the show is about, it's called Convergence, Challenging Anthropocentrism. Mm -hmm. It's a big word, but um, (laughs) kind of like talking about this human nature relationship and how, you know, humans are actually not more special than animals or they're actually just part of nature i knew about the show and i knew that it might it would fit well with that whole idea of the life cycle because the whole idea was like talking about the interconnectedness of everything that's all was kind of in my head when i was doing this painting and if you look there there might be there's an imagery of a fetus and there's also like a shadow in the water of a dove and so those are the two symbols the only two representational symbols i think that kind of represent uh, that relationship sort of the dove is a symbol for peace so i guess it's just talking about you know the relationship and how they're connected they're equal humans are part of nature so so are you kind of like just pursuing art then are you you know waiting tables uh what else is going on yeah i was doing a little bit of um part-time work you know but also i'm doing a lot of art commissions and uh, i recently finished up a artist mentoring artist program with oklahoma city it's a with inclusion in art in oklahoma city Mm -hmm. and that was pretty awesome but also i've just been traveling a lot too i got i saw some really great works like in um, fort worth i just saw the takashi murakami show that was a, a couple months ago i think very cool. Yeah, I don't know. Other than that, just I've been making work, applying to shows, and well, so so again, just kind of remind everybody where we can see your work, and and especially where we can see this painting, the life cycle, which is which is a, up until what uh, January twenty ninth. Yeah, it's up until January twenty ninth at the McKeon Center for Creativity in downtown Tulsa. It's kind of the latest thing I've been working on, but uh, I post a lot on Instagram, and my handle is Gabriel Rojas Art. I'm trying to make that my main tool for promotion now. So I'm trying to post at least like once a week. So you can see everything I'm doing there. I still have a solo show up at um, Landon Thomas Designs on Brookside in Tulsa. And so that's kind of a collection of paintings up there. They'll be up till the end of January as well. And I also have uh, paintings up at the Art Hall in Oklahoma City. They'll be up until until March 19th, uh, no, March 15th. Well, again, it's exciting to to think about, you know, where you're going to be at. Who knows? I mean, even a year from now, um, 
you're really at one of those times where everything just kind of branches out, you know, but, um, again, I really like the, the work and again, the way that you're already changing things, uh, in a short amount of time. Uh, so again, thanks for applying to, uh, the studio break, uh, student competition. Uh, it's, you know, great to have you on finally. Oh yeah. It's been great. I mean, I'm a huge fan of studio break, you know, it's been my go-to podcast for all those nights in the studio. So awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks once again to Gabriel for joining me. Be sure and follow him and his work as it develops and as he shares it on Instagram. Again, his handle is at Gabriel Rojas Art, so be sure and follow him there and say hello. If you are just new to Studio Break this new year, 2019, be sure and check out some of the episodes that you missed. We got a big archive on Studio Break, again, with all sorts of different artists. We have their work. We have these interviews that you can listen to right there in the default player, or you can hit that iTunes hyperlink and subscribe to the podcast, so if you you do listen there be sure and leave us some comments and help others find this podcast and you can also help them by spreading the word about studio break if you like studio break again earn some karma points and share this podcast with others if you know artists that are working in the studio they want something to listen to let them know about this podcast you can very easily like our facebook page you can find us on twitter at studio break and of course on instagram at studio underscore break so be sure to follow us there and remember it's super easy to interact on social media so be sure and say hello again we've been sharing these pre pre interviews and videos so be sure to check those out when you see them pop off in the stories you can also Leave us some comments. And again, we recently got a nice comment from Francis Sills, who's a painter, and really enjoyed the episode with David Gracie while working in the studio. So thanks again for listening, Francis. It wouldn't be a Studio Break episode if I didn't thank Skylar Mail. He provides the music to Studio Break, and you can check out his artwork, his performances, and various projects at SkylarMail.net. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, please visit davidlinaway.com. i got plenty of work up there, and you can also easily find me on a number of social media formats as well, so be sure and find me on Facebook if you want. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter and especially Instagram. I like to post there quite a bit, and it's at davidlinaway, so be sure and follow me there. Leave some comments. Always great to hear from people and hear what you enjoy listening to and what's going on, what's cooking in this 2019. I hope everybody is having a super Productive studio, and I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. We'll talk to you real soon.